Hello and welcome to another episode of the Social Review Podcast. It's Jasper here, that's Jasper underscore CH on Twitter, the podcast landlord apparently. Um, but this is just to let you know before the episode starts properly that uh, there are going to be a few content warnings. So um, do bear in mind that this episode is going to contain extensive discussion of sexual abuse, um, paedophilia, uh, drugs and all those sorts of things. So yes, do bear that in mind. Otherwise, enjoy the episode. podcast uh this week myself morgan and uh pete or jfk jr it depends <laughs> uh are doing this are doing the podcast this week and we're going to talk to you about uh QAnon. yes wait wait that one sec which you uh you don't pronounce like croissant as no. has been much discussed no yeah we, we have a pal who pronounces it uh quanon it is not quanon no um <laughs> so pete what is QAnon? So, at its core, QAnon is a conspiracy theory that originated in the US, primarily on the um, primarily on the web forum 4chan, which basically, at its core, holds a couple of key beliefs. Number one, that there is a government insider called Q, who is using internet message boards like 4chan, 8chan, and now 8kun to uh, deliver coded messages that people can decode. Number two, that everyone you've ever heard of who's like a liberal, be it they, be they a celebrity or a politician, particularly again, particularly in the US context, so Tom Hanks, Hillary Clinton, Oprah Winfrey, you name it, they're all paedophiles according to this conspiracy theory. And also cannibals. Cannibals. Because they are effectively addicted to a drug called adrenochrome, which they harvest from um, abusing children. Um, so, yes, um, that, that, that is how they get the stuff. They're all addicted to it, and that's a problem. And the third belief is that Donald Trump, 45th president of the United States, is going to free the world from this cabal. And he is working with Q Team, which are Q and his, his, his gang, to, um, to sort of rid the world of these terrible people. Now, there are a bunch of side beliefs that come from this, and me and Morgan are going to get into this, but one thing I want to say as we kick off is that this is something that people absolutely believe. In this episode, me and Morgan are going to talk about some of the wackier beliefs of QAnon, and we're going to talk to Annie Kelly later on about sort of how it's travelled to the UK. But one thing... Annie Kelly, a UK correspondent of the QAnon Anonymous podcast. Which, which uh... you should definitely give a listen to, because they're really good at... Uh, sort of talking you through this stuff. But yeah, the one thing that it would be remiss if I didn't say at the outset, um, and I know Morgan agrees with me, is that number one, of course, this stuff is baseless. Don't get sucked in by it. Number two, like this stuff is transmittable, um, very much like a virus, which is apt given everything, but like two people. You mean we aren't the virus. QAnon is the virus. QAnon is the virus. Yeah, exactly. Where am I? My second podcast, <laughs> podcast week in a row saying, you mean we aren't the virus? <laughs> Put a mask over your like family's computer to protect them, protect them from QAnon. But yeah, like so, like people who you might not expect are falling for this stuff. Robbie Williams. Robbie Williams, and like quite probably someone that like you or your mum knows. Um, and we'll get into that later. New age influencers, people who do yoga on Instagram. ASMR creators, for God's sake! Like, yeah, it's a thing. If and we the... can't trust ASMR, the greatest institution in this country. <laughs> what institutional trust do we have left? But yeah, like something that I really, something that is really worth keeping in mind throughout this whole thing is, no matter how wacky um, what me and Morgan are talking about gets, remember that people actually believe this and a lot of the wackier stuff is at the far end of a rabbit hole that starts off in a really kind of well-meaning way and we'll get into that later but i think we should kick off by saying like morgan how did you find out about QAnon? um so i obviously i listen to the um failing new york times daily podcast every day um and i believe i first heard of it uh, on an, an episode of their podcast in 2018. Um, yeah, and I thought it sounded wacky, but then I started hearing more and more about the stranger parts of it maybe in the last year or so. Like, I remember talking about the Wayfair conspiracy, which is obviously the conspiracy that Wayfair, the kind of, like, 
American furniture company is selling children uh, by the means of selling overly expensive cabinets. Yeah, and then I remember it coming more and more in around when we're talking about kind of Jeffrey Epstein and Ghislaine Maxwell, um, who are obviously real people and real elite pedophiles, but the kind of the world getting sucked into that world is also like a lot of QAnonery. Yes, yeah, I, I think I think that yeah, problem that I think and again this will be something that we touch on with with Annie, but the problem you have is that at the the thin end of the wedge, you just have a bunch of people who are actually horrible people. Like, you know, the UK protests focused mm. quite heavily on Prince Andrew, who, like, yeah. allegedly... Oh, come on. <laughs> yeah, so um, I, I kind of I kind of became aware of it because I have this weird fixation with um, the online right. I've, I think I've spoken this before on the podcast, but, like, mm. with me, it's often, like, there but for the grace of God go I. And something that I remember quite intently was checking back in on the night of the 2016 elections um, onto, like, 4chan and, like, poll and shit because, like, I've got to see what the fascists are saying about this. I want to really kind of, like, blackpill myself. And it was just, like, exactly as celebratory as you you would imagine. Um, What's being blackpilled? Oh, so um, yes. Well, well there's probably. Been a I lot. say that like I don't. I don't say it about myself like five times a day. <laughs> Am I helpful? But what is X term? Yes. Um, so um, that is a, a bit of parlance that kind of fits into this, which is taking the red pill in sort of horrible online spheres, as you may be aware, is um, understanding that women or in you know kind of like insert minority you don't like here is secretly very powerful, um, and mm. the black pill is when you accept that that can never change. You have lost the culture war. Western civilization is You might dying. as well just lie down and Elder. die. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, throughout this, me and Morgan are going to use... I'm going to probably reveal just how online we both are. Um, yeah. But yeah, so, like, when... I, I remember, so I remember, like, I think, sort of, kind of, during that was the first inklings of Q. There, there's always been a kind of undertone of, like, insider posting on 4chan. Mm. Um, and so, like, Q is, Q is not the first person to do this grift. There were people who claimed they were, like, high up in the FBI. There was a well-known thing on 4chan, like, a couple of years ago, about, like, um, so, oh, it might not have been on 4chan, actually. Um, some similar. Some similar, yeah. sort of. Yeah, for, and it was basically this guy who was claiming he was from the future, and, like, that was a long-standing thing. People asking him questions and all mm. the rest of it. So Q is not the first person to have a grift about having insider knowledge. He's just the most... Successful. Successful at it. And to give you an example of how successful QAnon is, for people who might not know, um, there, as we, you know, as we speak, the chances are that someone somewhere is not just posting QAnon stuff, but is um, translating it and making it more palatable for different audiences. So, um, you know, the French, the, um, the American version of QAnon is really kind of evangelical and God-focused and, you know, a lot of stuff about, like, QAnon being chosen by God. And the French version is a lot more secular and about, like, stopping migration. And, like, the Finnish version, I think, I believe I read somewhere that it taps in on kind of, like, a nascent alt-right desire to kind of reconnect with pagan religions and stuff. Basically, like, it is a conspiracy theory that fits all other conspiracy theories in it. Mm. And as a result, like, is spreading, like, wildfire mm. um, across various countries. So it includes, we heard us mention JFK Jr. earlier. One of the ideas mm. of, of kind of less mainstream QAnon is that JFK Jr., who obviously died in a plane crash in 1999 or 1998... Uh, is alive and well and like fighting the deep state and that he's going to be Donald Trump's running mate in 2020 um and also possibly that he's like alive and is a man called Vincent who lives in New Jersey who there's are... like several claimants to the JFK Jr. yes yeah the, the most probable one is, is a man called Vincent Fuchsia yes who I, I I really want like a JFK Jr. Thunderdome like I want to get them all together and be like there can, there can, no, I'm, there can I'm be only JFK yeah exactly Jr. Like, there yeah. can be only one. Like, there are scenes in the dark, like, where the Joker is like, there's room in the team, but only for one, and snaps the pool cue. I want to, like, do that, but with, like, all the JFK juniors. I mean, I don't actually watch that many Christopher Nolan films, so. But 
Do you know who also lives in caves? Go on. Along with bats. Go on. The mole children. Shit! The mole. About the mole fucking children. mole. Right. Okay. So, um, I, I'm just kind of, I'm just gonna kind of like run through um, some of the extraneous bits of QAnon. A big, not a big problem, but certainly a frequent feature is the belief that under Central Park there are tunnels where children are being kept. The children have been kept there for so long and for effectively so many generations as well. Or, you know, if you like, they've been experimental or what have you. They might be part alien. They might be part alien. It's hard to say. They, yeah, they get they go off. They go off on this. That <laughs> uh, They have effectively started to become... <laughs> Like moles, like, they've become mole children. <laughs> You're right, Peter. <laughs> the mole children are so inherently funny. <laughs> but yeah, it's so, fucking obviously if it was real, it'd be fucking terrible. But like, yeah, no, the moles. Like, yeah, like Jeffrey Epstein is clearly an evil man, but like, there aren't any mole children. Yes, there aren't any mole children. <laughs> But the, this is the thing, right, which is, and it's, it was one of the reasons that me and Morgan wanted to do a kind of opening bit before we interview Annie Kelly, and that's because throughout, once you start reading about QAnon, you really quickly run into just mad stuff, and the thing is, I cannot, I'm going to say a whole bunch of times on this podcast, it'll be really dull, because I'll repeat it a million times, but it just, it can't be said enough. This stuff is bonkers, this stuff is funny, but this stuff is also, like, rotting the brains of people very, very quickly. And, um... Actually, this, this is probably a good a chance as any to sort of jump onto, like... What, Taylor Green? Um, well, I, I was going to go on to, like, Taylor extremism Green. first. Yeah. And then, yeah. So, yeah. um... For, for, for context, um... QAnon is listed by the FBI as having, like, an incredibly high potential to create domestic terror and is already creating domestic terror in the United States. So we have um, a man who, after I think about like two weeks, may not even that, of uh, exposure to QAnon, was watching QAnon content every day. He found, he found a way to connect to the internet. He found a way to connect to the internet. <laughs> I'm sorry, boy. Um, he, he, he found a way to connect to the internet. He started watching QAnon. And within about two weeks, he was driving um, about 100 miles an hour down the freeway with his wife and child in the car, praying for Donald Trump and Q to save him, live streaming the whole thing to a QAnon Facebook group because he believed that Q was sending him messages through the radio. QAnon supporters have murdered um, a boss of the Gambino family because they believe that the mafia was helping the deep state um, steal children. QAnon uh, believers have been involved in a extended standoff on top of the Hoover Dam because they demanded that um, the government release sealed indictments, which is a huge part of the conspiracy theory. The idea that Donald Trump has already arrested um, kind of all, you know all of the elites that people don't like, uh, but they're all just under sealed indictments, so we can't find out about them yet. This stuff is already inspiring domestic terror and is probably going to end up in Congress. Mm. Oh yeah, so there's obviously Marjorie Taylor Greene is a Republican candidate for Congress in Northwest Georgia, who you know has won her primary against a I'm not to say sensible Republican because you know Donald Trump's president, you can't really be a sensible yeah. Republican, but like against you know someone who didn't think that uh, Hillary Clinton literally ate eats babies, um, and yes, yeah, probably going to be in Congress. Um, there's a, a wide array of less realistic kind of fringe politicians who are quite into it. Donald Trump Jr. is always ret- often rather retweeting um, Q content or like things related to QAnon or posts by QAnon supporters. So it's become, you know, Donald Trump himself was asked about it. There was this whole thing of Q- QAnon supporters or anons were like, if they just ask the, Q- the Q, if they just ask Donald Trump in the White House press gallery, like whether, whether he's like fighting the deep state with Q, then, you know, the storm will come and everything will be great. And, yeah, and so he was asked about two weeks ago, yeah. saying, you know, and, you know, he just said, that they love America. They're patriots, they love me, and they love America, which yes. is like... When, yeah, when asked um, if he is fighting paedophiles, he said, would that be a bad thing? Um, which... I mean, yeah. Like, it's it, fucked. It's, it's fucked, but it's, like, it's obviously, like, 
yeah, you obviously do, you should combat paedophilia and child trafficking, but that's why it's so easy to be like... Yes. Yeah. Yeah, it's a, yeah, it's a, re- it's a really good example of like, how you get into that. And I, so I, th- I think I think there are two things... And that... also, like, go on, go on. there's the idea that they these, um, you know, paedophile global elites are, like, using, using children's blood as currency, and, like, yes. you're just going a very long way around to do blood libel. It's, like, very clearly a... It's oh, really so a, much um, of this stuff is like just wildly anti-Semitic in like a yeah. a real like kick in it like 14th century like yes I almost said Julian of Norwich then but who did I mean if you fucking slam the June of Norwich like I swear to God no 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 the other one the Norwich the William of Norwich yes yes like no, I don't think it's William of Norwich it's definitely William something or other I should know this you I'm should know this like, <laughs> I'm, yeah. I'm literally a sad medieval boy but yes yeah. I, I know you're thinking of uh, the Martin of the Martyred William who is allegedly. Yes, killed you by know. Jews for yes, so they can use yeah. his blood to make hosts and you're just like Christ I mean yeah I mean that's really not very far away from you know there are mole children that the mysterious elites are using to like yeah. you know take their blood and use it in their satanic ceremonies and also like use it as currency like it's really if you get deep enough into QAnon as well like because it is hosted on websites that host far-right content so for for reference 8chan also hosted the manifesto of the shooting of um in of the christ uh, the, the the manifesto of the christchurch mosque shooter um mm. that that was where he posted his stuff so like this stuff is being produced and posted in an environment that is explicitly anti-muslim anti-semitic white nationalist yeah. uh, you know, uh, anti-feminist, anti-feminist yeah. just like every fucking bad thing in the world is basically there and um as, as a result like you have if you lay down enough with dogs you are going to get fleas um mm. you, you you know the pe- people are being indoctrinated into harder far-right stuff through mm. through this through this kind of like weird pseudo-mysticism and conspiratorial which thing, is something yeah. that i think we should touch on before we sort of jump in so i think before we jump into the to chatting to Annie, I think the two things we should cover, just so like listeners mm. have a kind of broad overview of this stuff, is QAnon's kind of quasi-religious status. Yeah. Um, and like, I mean, we were discussing this the other week and saying, exactly, is yeah. it is QAnon the first twenty-first century religion? I think it is. I, I, I mean, I, I, I you know, I cover this as a person of faith. Um, I, you know, I, I feel it's my, I, I kind of feel it's much easier to understand other people's faith if, if, if you have your own um a lot of people say you know as a christian that you feel more in com- you know you, you feel you have a cultural commonality with for instance a practicing muslim or jewish person than you do with an atheist when it comes to the issue of belief you know i think that you know it is a kind of terrible ersatz version of religion but i do think it is increasingly becoming one so a lot of QAnon supporters believe in what they call the Great Awakening or the Storm, which is the belief that um, one day all of the stuff that they believe in, the mole children, JFK Jr., Donald Trump saving the world, global elites, blood of children, etc., etc., is going to be revealed. And when it's revealed, that means that their family or their friends or anyone that they've lost because they're effectively in a conspiracy cult on the internet are going to turn to them. What the fuck? Sorry, I was trying to find the Donald Trump. Um, <laughs> I was trying to find the Donald Trump. You know when he says that there's going to be a storm. Yes, yeah, go, go, go. But it was it was uh, playing uh, Landfill Indie instead. We do love a bit of land for Lindy, to be fair. Wait, let's see. Donald Trump makes cryptic remark. From the Oval Office tonight, President Trump with a wink and a Shut tease. up, yank. The official social review live on America. <laughs> Shut up, yank. Details about the meaning of this cryptic comment during a reception with military leaders and their spouses Thursday night. What's he talking about? The white. <laughs> what so, is he talking about? What the about? fuck is he talking? I so, mean, he's obviously not talking about anything because he's got fucking brainworms. Yeah, no, exactly. Like, not- um, he's not. Know. Yeah, he's not. He's he not. He just says things like the thing about the sharks. The point is, is that um, yeah, like the QAnon supporters often believe that when the storm or the Great Awakening happens, that they're gonna have a, a basically a leadership role in the, in, the, in this kind of like new 
yeah, once they're once, world. once they're awake. Yeah, and like you know, it, it is this idea of like I, I I think it's a very I think it's a it's a kind of like a very American religion. It's this idea that like you have access to like this divine knowledge that and like we were talking about it in relation yeah, to Mormonism. Exactly, well. it's kind of a similar. But you know, the, the the Mormon the Mormon like sort of vision of salvation that it, it is you know you get your own fucking planet right like. I'm not Mormon, and I just think that you, you have the kind, same kind of like soteriological thinking in QAnon. This idea that there's going to be a kind of revelation, mm-hmm. there's going to be a rapture, if you will, mm-hmm. and after it, you're effectively going to be like maybe not God. You were a loyal disciple, and you should you were, be rewarded. But, yeah, you exactly. Saw the when others doubted. Yeah, like you are going to be a kind of like John the Baptist slash Christ figure. Mm. You know, in this version, you get to be Christ, um, which Christianity doesn't offer you. Like as Christians, we have to say no. Like I submit my will to Christ, uh, but not with QAnon. In QAnon, you get to be Christ. You get to be the leader, the person who has the knowledge, who will guide and sort of shape humanity going forward. And I. think think that's why it's really appealing to a lot of people um but i think that is equally something that we should be really fucking worried about because it it is taking on a religious characteristic for a lot of people um we haven't covered this fully um we have kind of hopefully given you a overview of q and as best we can yeah, I'm trying to think if there's anything major that we missed. Because but... it's massive. The, the last thing I think we should do, as just under like kind of like one minute thing, is at the moment, and this will change. Um, so if you listen to this like six months after it came out, there will almost certainly be a different thin end of the wedge for QAnon. But the current thin end of the wedge is hashtag save the children. And there was a rally for this in London. You may have seen it on Twitter. Um, and you know it's been recently, I think, quite uncritically reported on by a lot of sources who just aren't willing to tie it to QAnon. And it's this idea that there are lots of movements that um, are getting together and doing marches to fight child trafficking. And the idea is, if you're a QAnon person, that's a pretty easy thing to support. Like, no one thinks that child trafficking is good. Yeah. No one thinks Prince Andrew is good. Yeah, exactly. That's a thin end of the way. If you do, you shouldn't be listening to this podcast. Yeah, no, if you, like, yeah, like... Yeah. Um, this, this Save the Children stuff is the thin end of the wedge. People who are well-meaning, kind of like crunchy vegans, kind of like liberal types, they are being taken in by this stuff because no one's a... No one thinks that being anti-child trafficking is a bad position. The problem is when you attend a rally or you go to well, these online groups or you spend a lot of time on YouTube, you are going to start getting recommended Q stuff. And once you believe that like, you are being governed by a bunch of people who either are child traffickers or a big thing in a lot of the anti-child trafficking stuff is that people aren't taking child trafficking seriously for quote some reason once you're at the level you can be pilled to the fucking gills any way you want um and kind of on that depressing and sobering note uh we're gonna pause recording for a sec and when, in, we come back. when you come back we'll be joined by annie kelly so watch out for that We're now joined by Annie Kelly, who is a researcher of online anti-feminism, co-host of the QAnon Anonymous podcast, and quite possibly JFK Jr. So, welcome. <laughs> <laughs> welcome to... My secret's out. <laughs> um, so, yeah, um, you recently covered um, a hashtag Save the Children rally in London um, and all that entails. So, if you could just sort of briefly talk us through what that was like uh, you know and this is and we've we've we'll we've plugged QAnon anonymous before but you can hear Annie talk about this there as well um, but if you could just re- kind of recap what that was like who was attending and what save the children in your view is actually kind of a front for oh so um i felt very much a bit like i was going in blind looking back Um, because it was my first rally to do with QAnon that I'd been to. I've been to lots and lots of far-right and alt-right rallies, um, but I hadn't been to 
a QAnon rally before. Mm. Um, and I suppose I was kind of expecting it would be a similar demographic um, as the far-right rallies that I've kind of attended or counter-protested or something like that, which is usually, you know, a kind of an, an uneasy alliance in this country between um, older white men, usually who kind of uh, come from sort of football firms or the DFLA, um, and the kind of new alt-right oeuvre of kind of young men who are like very clearly very technically proficient who uh, usually have some kind of university education and it's kind of quite funny watching those two groups interact Um, but that's like usually the kind of people I am used to seeing at these rallies Um, and I suppose I had expected that it would be something of the same for QAnon Um, but for one thing it was it was much much better attended than most far-right rallies I've been to but for another thing it was majority women um and in particular mothers uh, mm. there were lots and lots of mothers with children there um which did looking back with hindsight reflect what i was seeing on the social media groups on facebook and things like this um but i suppose i had sort of just thought to myself oh well that's facebook you know um it won't reflect that yeah come, uh, when the time comes um but yeah, no, it was uh, lots and lots of young women. It was very, very diverse. I mean, you do have to bear in mind, this is London, which is a very diverse city anyway, um, but racially diverse as well. Um, lots of people who I would say, um, when I talked to them, certainly had a kind of new age sort of mm. aesthetic going on um, and lots of the things they said. I'm not particularly very sort of... Um, I'm not really au fait with that culture. I don't really know very many um, new age people. Mm. Um, so I felt a little bit out of my depth there, actually. Um, mm. I'm so used to kind of like um, sort of very masculine far-right aesthetics. Yeah. Um, I don't exactly think really actually Robinson's. didn't quite know what to make of um, these young women telling me very kind of earnestly you know, about the kind of, you know, rituals of, you know, between light and dark and um, kind of bringing about this great awakening through this transcendent meditation session that was going on all around the world. And oh, no. One woman was very, very seriously, she spoke to me for about 11 minutes explaining to me how this rally, which was one of hundreds across the world, mm. was going to coordinate with all the other rallies. All of them would open their hearts and this would create a grid of light which would... They're not going to hex the moon, are they? The dark. They're going to hex the fuck. QAnon's going to hex the moon, and there's nothing you can do about it. (laughs) It was. It really, really reminded me of that language, but it really, really wasn't what I was expecting at all. What I like as well is the knowledge that you were saying before that when you looked at the rally, you thought it would just be like, oh, that's just Facebook, these people won't turn up. And I really like, it's quite reassuring that you can apply the same dynamics that we do to our house parties, which is like, invite <laughs> 160 will show up, even if they say they're going to, to far-right rallies, you know? Maybe maybe we're not so yeah. different. As a- <laughs> I mean, yeah, it was actually the complete opposite of the Facebook party rule, because... Mm. Yeah. You're so right. When you when you uh, have a Facebook event, you know, for your your birthday party, your house party, mm. whatever. In a socially you nearly moment. always have to like divide it by three. Yeah. And that's the number of how many people you are actually coming, right? Yeah. yeah. Um maybe I'm just revealing how deeply unpopular I am. <laughs> no, no, no. no, that's about the same for us. Maybe yeah. we're all just equally unpopular, but I, I I hope not. I'm incredibly cool and popular, so obviously that's uh, <laughs> That is true, yeah, you are yeah, you're very cool, so that's fine. <laughs> But this was the thing, though, are actually more people there um, than had clicked attending on the Facebook event. It was about 250 people had clicked attending. Um, And then I saw reported afterwards um, that it was about 400 or maybe even 500 people there, um, which was madness. And I think what was really funny was there there was a police presence there, obviously, and I sort of tried to be a bit cheeky and get an interview. I kind of knew they wouldn't really say anything because they're not allowed to. Um, but I sort of thought I'd try my luck. Mm. And one of them said, we didn't know it was going to be this many people. Um, so, yeah, so I guess 
it really was unexpected, which makes me think they were coming from somewhere. It wasn't just advertised on Facebook. It must have yeah. been advertised on... Do you have any um, idea where? where? Like, where else it would be coming from? I suspect probably Parler. Yeah, that that's... Sort mm. of free speech. Mm. One of those free speech Graham, social media uh, platforms that really crops up for when there's, like, a big wave of bannings yeah. of... QAnon or far-right content or whatever and sort of seeks to capitalise on that yeah. say, you know, come to my platform, you'll never get banned. Gab did um, the same thing sort of last year and it was just endless, like, yeah, yeah, like, we, we see yeah. you've been very It typically racist. never lasts long because if you kind of advertise yourself as the place where no one gets banned, particularly after there's always, like, a wave of far-right bannings, you will eventually, kind of, you will eventually um, host a mass shooters manifesto that's just the kind of law yeah. of how these things work and then suddenly you know you have this huge amount of pressure on you and you usually go bust mm. um mm. but yeah i think that's the latest one parlor so i assume it was there yeah um but i'm not sure to be honest yeah what one of the kind of really spooky things that i found was like and we, we spoke about this sort of before your interview that i, I was looking at um people who were posting about it, I was kind of, like, tracking some of, like, the profiles that were, and like, one of them's, like, a, just a very nice vegan ASMR creator from, like, YouTube, who just, like, spends a lot of her time, like, whispering softly, but is just now, like, absolutely pilled to the gills on, like, Q stuff, and, like, her Twitter profile is just her sharing, like, like, oh, here's all this, like, horrible sex abuse that's going on. Wonder who's doing that then. It's like, for fuck's sake. Like, my, like, my, well, my professors, like, referenced her. Like, she has the ear of, like, weird medievalists around the UK. Because, like, I was in a lecture once in my master's. My professor was like, ah, oh, it's like medieval ASMR. Like, so I'm revealing how sad and nerdy I am here. But, like, referenced her channel. Like, cool. Like, yeah. <laughs> like he's gonna, like... Medievalists are listening to... Q and on themed ASMR. Great, yeah. This like this is a good and like, like fucking like this is good and normal and nothing wrong with it at all. Aside from the kind of like London rally, which is and and this again something me and Morgan were talking about earlier, attracting lots of like younger people. You know, it, it's very easy with this stuff to kind of go, oh, it's all white angry boomers doing this. But I think we're seeing with both the London yeah. rally, but also footage from the LA stuff that it's very much not that at all. Um, we were, so I think a, a kind of a big question is for the people who are at that kind of tier, right? Like they're doing the Save the Children stuff, but they maybe haven't been Q pilled yet. Do you? Th how do you think we de-radicalize these people? Be like, given that like they're campaigning against people who are objectively nonces a lot of the time, and like given that Save the Children is an inherently worthy kind of idea, how like how do we how do we reach these people? Oh my goodness. Um, I mean, de-radicalisation is something I um, think about a lot, obviously, because yeah. of the fields I'm in. Yeah. And also something I am always so wary of um, giving any kind of like definitive statements for. Yeah. Um, I haven't spoken to any former Q believers. I've spoken to a lot of former alt-right anti-feminists lots of current alt-right anti-feminist um, people and I'm often really interested in, in this question you know what what makes somebody kind of divert from that path um, and it nearly always is a change in life circumstances um, which is obviously so difficult to engineer, engineer from yeah. where we're yeah. standing um, that's just not really something that's in our power to do um, I'm actually writing, trying to sort of write down all my thoughts about this rally that I went to um, at the minute. And I suppose, yeah, I, I liked your point where you're saying, you know, not everything that they're saying is wrong. Yeah. Um, and I think we really do have to, especially with conspiracy theories, really keep this sense of empathy Um for someone who gets sucked in, do you know? Um, yeah. While at the same time, I think very, very firmly rejecting, drawing our line in the sand for where we're not going to follow, mm. right? So you can kind of say, you know, people were saying stuff to me at the rally, which I legitimately agreed with. They were saying, you know, 
Um, if you're rich, you can get away with sexual abuse. And, you know, the sad truth is I think that is so true. Yep. Um, you do be like that. Uh, mm-hmm. And sometimes I see the content that they post on on Facebook and I think... So, for example, I'm going to talk to you about a video mm-hmm. uh, which was posted by an Australian woman. She's a mum. And she posted this 11-minute video talking to the camera she demonstrated that she had these children's dolls, her children's dolls, that I think they have some sort of cute little gimmick with them where if you dip them in water, they turn a different colour. Okay. So, you know, one will turn green, one will turn blue. Mm. It kind of sounds like the sort of thing I would have loved as a kid. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, And she was kind of taking them through, and then she was sort of showing you the kind of ones where they turn green and blue, and that's cute and sweet. And then she started showing ones where, you know, you dip it in water and it, puts on bikini say or one puts on like bracelets which kind of look a bit like like manacles and you know this woman was referring to herself as red-pilled so she was very very clear as to where she was going with this she was saying you know uh this is how they're brainwashing our children you know uh look this one's got red lipstick on like you know um they're supposed to be little girls this is awful and I was sort of thinking like god I wish I could like introduce you to some like feminist theory or something yeah which could, like, address the same concerns you're having about the way that little girls in particular, you know, are given, like, sexualized uh, idealizations of femininity uh, and, you know, all of this sort of stuff, which does feel a bit wrong and which does feel a bit upsetting when you think about it without having to go kind of down the route of, and this is because, you know, the democratic party or whatever uh want to traffic them and harvest yeah. their yeah you know organs sometimes and, adrenochrome and yeah. stuff like that do you know sometimes you just um, need to sit down and read a bit of andrea walking and then you'll be <laughs> throwing copies of the beauty myth yeah, at like the next q and non rally walking pills <laughs> yeah but yeah like i it's i i i think your point about kind of um maintaining empathy at all times I think is really important I, th- I think that a lot of it's something that I, I, again I'm gonna re- you know re- it's something that we were saying before which is I think the problem with QAnon in particular is that it's so easy to look at this stuff and go this is batshit insane and just dismiss everyone who's like has any connection to it as a crank and the stuff yeah, they're believing absolutely. is really bad and you can't discount that but also mm-hmm. fundamentally the thin end of the wedge, the thing that drew them in, is probably a lot of the time, particularly with this kind of new wave of radicalization, probably just being well-meaning, you know? Yeah, being well-meaning and having very, presumably quite low sort of, like, internet literacy and, like, digital literacy and ability mm. to, like, ascertain what's, like... Yeah. What's insane and what isn't, and what's legit, what's legitimate and what isn't. So, so uh, the other thing, given your experience with um, far-right groups, that I, th- I thought would be... Uh, really interesting to ask is in 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 the UK we kind of given how much of QAnon stuff is about I mean you know it's, it's fundamentally about this idea of child grooming and all the rest of it and given that we in the UK have a very weird relationship with that concept like I'm thinking but what I mean it's like I'm thinking back to like the kind of moral panics that, like, Brass Eye sent up, right? Like, you can't think of the British Isles like putting the word pedo in front of it. That kind of thing. And combined with the fact we have a media landscape for that for the past ten years has basically gone grooming gangs, grooming gangs, grooming gangs every time, you know, the, the any time it fucking can. Mm. Do you think that that kind of ambient white noise in British culture means that we are... Do you think that might influence how easy it is for QAnon to kind of seep into Britain? Because I don't think we've—I don't think we're at the saturation point that the US is yet. But do you think that our ambient white noise of culture might help us get there? My prediction is that we are only just starting to see QAnon through Save the Children, through all these other things, kind of internationalize in the way that it has. So no one at the rally, for instance, talked to me about Donald Trump or Hillary Clinton, but there were lots and lots of signs about Prince Andrew, Jimmy Savile. So we're starting to see, you know, these kind of 
say local names. I mean, obviously they're, you know, international names, but local figures, I suppose, um, get sort of uh, kind of consumed uh, by the theory. Um, And I think this is, this is really what's starting to prove that um, it's really taking on its own national flavour, for want of a better word. And so I think, I think you're probably right that it's only a matter of time until these groups, you know, cross-pollinate. Because this is one of the really, really great strengths, I think, of QAnon as a conspiracy theory, or as a far-right conspiracy theory, I should say. It's just how willing it is to cross-pollinate. Lots and lots of kind of far-right groups are very keen on drawing up their borders on kind of like race and gender and all of these sorts of things. Um, but QAnon, you know, they've got that slogan, where we go one, we go all. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's really clever, I think, how how it has diversified in this way. Um, and I can only really speak from a US and UK context. I haven't really looked at the kind of other countries. But I imagine probably what's starting to happen is that it's gonna, it's developing its own kind of... Um, first, you've got the international sort of uh, linchpin... And then I suspect that the kind of Trump stuff and the MAGA stuff will probably stay in the US. Um, You know, there will obviously be UK and British believers Mm. in that stuff too. Um, But it's going to develop in a very, like, British way. And I would be really, really surprised if the grooming gangs and that sort of thing didn't come in eventually. You know, one thing they had at the rally, um, there was a bit where I didn't get to include it in the episode... They all started chanting "Defund the BBC," oh, for um, which mm. I think, yeah, probably shows a little bit of, because obviously I have my own problems with the BBC. Yeah, I mean, we're all BBC. Um, we're all BBC but, cranks now. Like. Uh, yeah, <laughs> but I don't think we election. shared the same problems with the BBC. Yes, no, no that is true. Uh, yeah, yeah. But I think that's only just starting to happen, um, and I think. Yeah, I would be. I would be very surprised if that didn't eventually get but the inculcated into it. Um, you know, the grooming gangs discourse is a classic sex panic mm. uh, mixed with a cover up. And you know, mm. what is QAnon at its most basic, if not that? Yeah. Yes. So I don't know if the yeah. sound of me like trying to surreptitiously crack open a tin was like. Please no, it was Copperberg. Look, I'm sorry, it's all we've got left in the house. Like, <laughs> let, let a man live, Morgan, let a man live. Um, sorry, go on. So I was wondering if Bottle, to kind of go back, sort of... Like, way wow, back. wait, look at me doing a podcast with my uh, my gestures that no one can hear. Um, go back to sort of, how did you become, first become kind of interested in, in kind of far-right, and you said you've been to a lot of far-right rallies, and how did you find yourself doing that? Um, gosh, I don't know. I've just always been, always been really interested, to be honest, long before I even thought of um, doing a PhD on this topic. Um, it was just like where I'd go on the, on the internet to hang out. Um, and not in the sense of um, ever believing it. I think I always had this kind of feeling of uh, wanting to find the furthest, the furthest possible beliefs from my own that I could locate on the internet Mm. and um just like just try and like consume all of it I guess try and try and make myself understand it um try and understand where those people are coming from and I think I've probably been doing that since I was about since probably since I got my first laptop so I think I was like 17 then um so yeah I, I I think it was just yeah it was just a kind of curiosity of mine people you know would find it funny that I, I knew so much about these kind of online mm. figures um and then I kind of realized it's very last minute when I sort of figured like maybe I want to do you know further education after my undergrad that I was like oh there is this weird subject that I know an immense about like an immense amount about mm. um and I wonder if I could like mm. turn that into a kind of like object of study, a project. Um, and yeah, I think I had a sense that this kind of stuff 
was growing, um, you know, that it wasn't going away. Um, and this was around, I should say, probably around like 2015 or so, yeah. uh, when I sort of started writing up my proposal. Um, and I was very annoyed, really, about the way that, so I suppose like campaigns like Gamergate and, you know, that kind of sort of mm. the groundswell of kind of like harassment and things like that. Um, people would often kind of talk about it as, you know, oh, it's the kind of last gasp of, you know, the patriarchy or uh, this sort of thing. And I remember finding that really annoying because, A, it was always the harassment that got this huge amount of press coverage. Um, But it was never very good coverage. It was always just, you know, isn't it awful that this man said this to this journalist or whatever? Um, And I sort of would think, I mean, yeah, that is awful, but, like, it's it's a pressure vent. It's not really what's going on underneath the surface, do you know? Yeah. That's just the kind of what we're seeing from from the ground. Um, and I think I... Yeah, I, I, I think, you know, I, I knew that this was going to sort of... That this wasn't going away, that it seemed to be getting bigger, that it seemed to be escalating. Um, and so I guess I just wanted to write about it. Hmm. Um, and then, yeah... Um, Obviously, that prediction bore out much worse than I could have imagined. (laughs) (laughs) Yay, I'm right! A single party popper and, like, melancholy music in the background. Yeah. (laughs) Fuck. Yeah, so so, something I... I I mean, when I was um, an undergraduate, I, like, for my many sins, did uh, did a lot of, like, debate stuff. Um, Mm. I can see, like, your standard, like, look of contempt. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> but um, but one, one one of the things that I found was like the the kind of there was a very strange um, sh- like sort of like tidal shift between like twenty sixteen and seventeen where the year before when I asked undergrad like first year undergraduates who wanted to get in for speakers it would be like the local MP like can you get Jeremy Corbyn and the answer was like no we're a tiny university in London we can't get Jeremy but like the year after it was literally just like can you get Milo Yiannopoulos can you get Stefan Molyneux can you get Gavin McInnes and it's like I knew who these people were because like I spent like yourself spent a lot of time on like 4chan and all the rest of it as a teenager I think for very similar reasons that kind of like finding weird abhorrent stuff and being like kind of like fascinated by it in this kind of weird like weird way um yeah digital masochism yeah it really is um and like just being horrified that was like yeah there was like a entire cohort of like like like, it pretty was exclusively male undergraduates who were like the person who i go through for my political views is like stefan molyneux it's like cool, like, this never gets mentioned in the coverage. There's always people in their mum's basements. It's never, like, kids doing politics or Russell Group, like, and it very much is, and I think we're only just starting to see the very real implications of that, because I think, you know, now and over the next couple of years, we're going to see these people leave university and get spewed into, like... Well, I mean, there's already, you know, Andrew, Andrew Spisky, the Downing Street eugenicist, and yeah. the various sort of mm. early antecedents of those people becoming a serious thing in, in politics. Yeah, and in ten years we're going to have, like, everyone who was raised by, like, Jordan Peterson going, like, you've got to slay the dragon of chaos! Like, they're going to be spads in, like, the inevitable, endless Tory government, and we're all going to have to live under it. This is a cheery episode of the Social Review Podcast. Thanks for listening. <laughs> um, so there was one actually one thing I wanted to ask about. I I don't understand the King Ed thing. <gasps> yes, can we have a little bit from for fuck's sake? Sorry, the dis the dis Sorry, right. some some premium material. Some pre- yeah. I just wanna, yeah. My dis. I will say we have uh, with this week we have subbed the Patreon, so you know we are just going to be one. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'm as you can gather. I'm this is more just, than happy to. This to is just the us good being... news about King Edward the <laughs> Second. Um, so this was so I submitted my PhD a couple of months ago. Congratulations! Um, Congrats! Thank you, thank you. My viva's next week, so. Oh, oh shit! Like best of luck. I know. Like, um. But I was also in, I was in lockdown and I sort of hadn't really noticed lockdown before I submitted, to be honest with you, because I was just sort of 
uh, so kind of frantically trying to do all the work I should have been doing for three years. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I suddenly was just kind of stuck with nothing to do. I'd kind of assumed that would be the time I'd be applying for jobs, but all the universities had this teaching freeze on. Mm. So I sort of just became obsessed with this idea of finding the oldest um, British conspiracy theory mm. in, in the country, in the nation. Um, and yeah, I, I actually, this isn't the oldest one, uh, because I did find lots more that were older, but were all just deeply anti-Semitic and involved, like sort of ended in genocides um, oh, or pogroms, I suppose. Um, yeah, but so, yeah. <laughs> so I so I made a new kind of uh, all right I'll I'll leave those aside and I'll try and find the the oldest fun conspiracy theory um, and this was that King Edward the Second who I don't know if you guys have seen Braveheart you must have seen Braveheart I've not seen Braveheart no. um, <laughs> I, I I have I have sorry yeah I have I'm aware of Braveheart so Edward the Second is the is Edward Longshanks's son okay follow yeah I follow. he's his, his, uh, the antagonist's son in Braveheart. And um, he was most probably gay, um, but he, <laughs> he, it's just such a kind of like sort of very sweet story of him just continually um, doing huge amounts of corruption for his boyfriends, who he's kind of just slightly obsessed with and adores, um, and constantly just getting told so by like, Edward the, know, first, the first simp stuff like please stop doing this like we will kill your boyfriend and you and he's just mm. sort of like I might just do it anyway um, um, he does this for the first time with his first boyfriend Piers Gaveston who then gets executed he does it with his second and then the barons have had enough and start a revolution um, but there's a theory that King Edward never died at all much like JFK Jr <laughs> JFK Jr. handshake emoji King Edward not dying at all <laughs> also I, I sorry very quickly in your professional opinion as Morgan just pointed out do you think he was the first simp Edward II yes he the was, kind of first recorded simp a simp <laughs> He was. I would also. I would say possibly he's the first himbo as well. He's a very beautiful man by all accounts. Why aren't we learning um, more about this historical and, trailblazer? And you can really, just see where it's going, but he does not stop. Um, so yeah, I would say he's he's a simp and he's a himbo. <laughs> A combination of such power that, like, it can never be rivaled. But it must be, it must be shunned from the history textbooks. Exactly. Yeah. So, what's the conspiracy? Okay, so it it gets very weird, and I have to remember all of this. So, it, eventually, his wife gets so pissed off with this that she just fucks off to France for a while, and then comes back with an army, and it's like, we're going to depose you. People always so defend them in they, ages, he though. abdicates, they keep him prisoner, and then conveniently he dies about a year later after there's been several escape attempts made. Um, the men who are still loyal to him keep on trying to break him out, and it's quite clear that someone has just been like, you know what, like it's just too much trouble keeping him alive, we're just going to kill him. Yeah. Um, as is the kind of fate of deposed kings everywhere, right? Having said this, there's this slightly weird thing where his son takes the throne afterwards. Um, and I think probably what can answer this is that his son, Edward III, has been told that his father is dead, but doesn't actually know it. Because there's all of these rumours, obviously, of this kind of, you know, romantic escape of the deposed king. Um, but there's actually letters from the time from Italian noblemen to Edward III saying, your father is alive in Italy. Um, and it seems very strange. Um, but what's even stranger is that then Edward III goes and meets someone who calls him his father in Germany. Um, and not, we don't really know what happens next. We know that there's a meeting. We know that this man wasn't executed, which is usually what would have happened if you were pretending to be the king's father. Um, and we also know that Edward III like, paid for him um, to keep his company for a few weeks. So it's very weird as to like what was the identity of this man. Um, and I think that's the sort of that's the... element to it. Yeah. Oh, and there's one, there's one other thing, actually. There's an escape attempt after he dies. So... Edward II dies in 1327, mm. official narrative goes. Then a group of noblemen try and break him out in 
1328. So the king is supposed to be dead, and yet people are still there's oh, a there's shit. a like, attempt to break him out. So clearly, clearly something is going on, which means that a lot of people are fairly certain that he's still alive, mm. whether he's dead or not. And I just okay. became obsessed with this. And what's really funny is this is still like it's still a really hot issue in certain circles of the internet and like historian circles of the internet where they all write like really mean blog posts about each other if you think that Edward II died in 1327 or you think that he did they're all writing these like incredibly savage takedowns of each other I mean there's no one Um, more there's no one more catty and like vituperative than like historians writing like reviews of other other people's academic works I'm thinking of the exact same review as you we're all thinking of but like let's move on yes like niche (laughs) academic beef is not so very quickly is Piers Gaffiston like where the famously horny Oxford students party gets its name? I don't know. What's the famously horny Oxford students party? That's about it, really. That's the yeah. There is like a fa- the, at Oxford University, there is a party that a bunch of students go to where they basically Piers Gav Society. It's like Piers... a, it's like the Riot Club. It's like it's a, like the Riot Club, Club, or if you watch Gilmore Girls, it's the fucking what they call in, in Gilly Jeans. I don't watch Gilmore Girls. Oh yeah, I forgot you're not cool. The, the Life and Death Brigade. Boom, that's the fucking one, right? So yeah, there's a, there's a society at Oxford called the Piers Gaveston Society, which organises a party slash orgy every year, where, stu- yes, where like yeah. the rich, like yeah, a bunch of really rich and good looking. Like you can go if you're really rich or really good looking. Which I, oh, I just no. think that like the, like the British elite being like connected with like, like mad John, conspiracy. Johnson or Cameron. You know, I bet they know the answer. I bet they know whether. Oh yeah, like they are definitely keepers of the Piers Gow flame. All of that stuff, but, don't they? Yeah. yeah, but also. Aren't they super sort of, you're not allowed to know who's in it? It's one of those... Yes, you're not meant to acknowledge the, the fact you've been invited to Piers Gav. If it's named after the gay medieval king's lover, then yeah, maybe it is. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, on that, I think maybe like on that note, we say, Annie, do you have anything to plug? Apart from, obviously, we're just hideous, uh, hideous fans of QAnon Anonymous, which is, I'm sure has come across with just us being deeply yeah, embarrassing. Yeah, listen to listen to QAnon Anonymous if you liked my very, mm. very brief dis- description of the Edward II episode, because I had a lot of fun making it. Mm. Um, no, apart from that, I've probably got like an article coming out about QAnon soon. Oh, cool. Um, Where can people read that, do you think? Or do we not, do we not yet know? Uh, I don't yet know. I'm gonna. Okay. I'm, it's it's gonna be a little bit more about my kind of experiences at the rally and the, the sort of female element. Yeah. Um, Do you but, send that yeah, to us? When it's... From that, no, I don't have anything to plug. I'm mm. just here for the discourse. But last thing, if people want to find you to get more Annie content, can they find you on Twitter? And if so, where? Uh, yes. Yeah, you can find me on Twitter. Uh, my handle is Annie K and K. Um, I am locked, but I I just. I let anyone in there. Don't worry about it. Um, it's just, <laughs> it's just because I don't, I don't like getting lots of numbers. Um, so I just keep it, yeah, um, keep it with my intimate, an intimate gathering of twelve thousand followers or however yeah. many it is. <laughs> Annie has transcended clout. Um. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, apart from yeah. that. Yeah, thank you so much thank you for so much. coming on to yeah. discuss Q&A. Oh, thanks so much for having me, guys. Oh. Yeah, I hope that all sounded okay. And another episode of the Social Review Podcast draws to a close. Thank you so much for listening. Thank you so much to Pete and Morgan for um, taking the reins again for another week and for organising things with Annie. And thank you so much to Annie for coming on. Uh, do go check out QAnon Anonymous. Um, there are so many episodes, um, but Peter Morgan assured me that they are all fantastic and there are some really interesting ones. I will certainly be listening, so do go check that out. Otherwise, you will hear us again over the next couple of weeks. We've got some really exciting interviews lined up, um, so do look out for those. And as usual, um, if you enjoyed, then do give it a rating on iTunes, uh, since apparently a majority of you listen on iTunes, um, and that would be really appreciated. Tell your friends, all that sort of thing. Um, But yes, you will hear us again next week. Thanks again. Goodbye.
Yeah, no, I'm sure Jasper will edit it into something very palatable and... Uh, yes, yeah. and Morgan will shoot... podcast landlord. Yeah, our podcast landlord will sort it, and Morgan will shoot you the details <laughs> of where to email your copy of so he can use your bit Perfect. if needs be. Yeah, yeah, But again, thank you so much, and, like, you know, have yeah. a nice bank holiday Monday or what's yeah. left of it, you enjoy, know? enjoy eating at Telco. <laughs> <laughs> Alright, thanks so much, guys. Bye. Take Bye-bye. care. It's went... Uh, I think that went well. I think that went well. We are going to have to cut that.